Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogue. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder of the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Dr. Thomas Jordan. Dr. Jordan is a clinical psychologist and a psychoanalyst in private practice in New York City. He's on the faculty of NYU's postdoctoral program in psychoanalysis and author of Learn to Love, Guide to Healing Your Disappointing Love Life, and he's also the founder of Love Life Learning Center. Dr. Jordan specializes in the treatment of unhealthy love lives and has been studying them for over 30 years. Welcome, Dr. Thomas Jordan, to Divorce Dialogues. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Catherine. Thank you. What inspired you to write this book, Learn to Love, and the Guide to Healing Your Disappointing Love Life? What determines a disappointing love life? Now, certainly in my office, I hear stories of disappointing love lives all the time, but from a psychological Uh perspective, what is it that makes somebody disappointed in their love life? Well, let me answer the first part of that question first. I've been working here in Manhattan for a few decades now, and I've seen quite a few people in my office complaining of disappointing love lives. And I've noticed over time the repetition of a lot of unhealthy patterns, oftentimes across relationships. And so I became uh, interested in collecting information and taking a look, doing a little love life research in my practice to determine how I could be of use when a disappointing love life was repetitive in a person's interpersonal relations. I'm also an interpersonal analyst, so I'm especially interested in how interpersonal relationships can be a source of unhealthiness as well as a place where healing can take place. So over time, I saw these patterns, and that was a big reason why I wrote the book. It's to try to help people become more conscious of the type of patterns that can repeat in their love life, causing multiple disappointments, and write a book that could explicate these ideas easily and be offered as a guide that people could apply it to their own individual love life. The other reason why I wrote the book is I changed my own love life as a consequence of years of disappointment in a personal therapy experience I became aware of how I had learned a few things growing up about love relationships that were fundamentally unhealthy, and I was repeating them in my love life. So when I became aware of what I had learned, I was able to use that consciousness to unlearn these patterns and do something better. And as a consequence, uh, my wife Victoria and I have been married for 29 years. So I wanted to put that in a book and and help people begin the same process. Thank you, Beth, and congratulations on your lengthy marriage. 
I think that people, in my experience as a lawyer who works with a lot of divorcing people, that people do tend to repeat patterns in, in relationships, even uh-huh. if they don't. You know, they think they're starting. I think they think they're starting over, but they're starting over on the same path. <laughs> uh-huh. Absolutely, absolutely. And the second part of your question is uh, to describe the disappointing love life. There are three features of the disappointing love life that I I think is important to point out. One is the repetition. If you're seeing disappointment over and over again in your love life, that's a clue that you may have learned something. And learning is a wonderful concept. You know, we start learning from the beginning of life. We never stop. It's a a very usable idea, user-friendly idea. If you learn, you can unlearn and learn something better. So if you see disappointment repeating, themes of difficulty repeating in your love life, there's a good chance you've learned something, and that is unconsciously, and here's where the problems start to come in, we can unconsciously learn where we don't know we're learning, and we don't know what we're learning, but we're learning nonetheless, especially from experience. So the disappointment is a clue. The second feature of a disappointing love life is the replication of experiences. And in the book, I talk about 10. I've added a a couple since I published the book. Experiences like abandonment, abuse, control, dependency, dishonesty, intrusion, neglect, rejection. These are experiences that we can be exposed to early in life that are uh, teachers of how a love relationship will progress, how it will be experienced, This learning can be tucked into the back of our minds. Another word to describe it is it's familiar. And I like to remind people that the the root of the word familiar is family. The family of origin is a a wonderful, intensive first classroom for all of us. So the experiences we have in that context oftentimes teach us lessons about love relationships that are unconsciously taught and retained and repeated. So identifying what is replicating begins the process of unlearning because now consciousness is taking the place of something happening over and over again automatically, unconsciously. The third feature is, and it's a very important one, a very important idea to offer people. I like to call it a recreation of what we've learned. And the word recreation is important because what it indicates and what it implies is that we ourselves are creating this pattern from the inside out in the form of expectations of how our love life will go. We're using what we've learned as a blueprint, if you will, as a template in order to shape those love life experiences. And this helps us to begin to understand how repetition and replication can dominate a love life. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed over the years that replicated the same destructive, unhealthy influences over and over again in their love life. I'll give you a classic example. In a first interview, I'm sitting with a woman in her early 50s who is complaining of depression, etc., and she is telling me about her life. And she tells me she grew up in a home with an alcoholic, violent father. And she witnessed with her siblings physical abuse and other forms of abuse between parents so when she grew up 
I asked her about her current love life, and she told me she married two alcoholic, abusive men, and her current boyfriend was becoming abusive. And I remember saying to her in that moment, this happened quite a few years ago, right at the beginning of my interest in doing this love life research. I remember saying to her, asking her, is there a link? And I think I used that word, you know, is there a link between growing up in your family of origin and what's happening in your love life? And this is an intelligent, educated person. She looked up at me and said, what? The connection had not been made consciously. I think it was the first time that she had been able to put the two together to see that those early experiences had taught her beliefs, behavior, feelings that are expected to be replicated in her love life. And she was following that pattern over and over again. And by the way, it had a significant effect on her mood. So depression was very much related to what was happening in her love life as well. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, bringing you the information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity. And I'm talking today with Dr. Thomas Jordan about the psychology of love and how people can heal their disappointing love lives and about his book on the same topic. And, you know, it's really interesting. I was at a program a number of years ago on attachment theory. I'm saying that for your benefit, not so much for the listeners. And uh, somebody, one of the presenters was describing a very similar thing where there was a, a couple and each of them had been divorced, married and divorced three times, right? And she mm-hmm. said she was online, the food line with the woman and say, and saying, you know, how does it feel? You know, at the beginning, and they're in a new relationship, and they're all excited. And it's like, oh, this is wonderful, love, 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 the most powerful drug there is in the world, in my opinion. And, <laughs> and, I like that, <laughs> right? And says, you know, how do you know? You know, does it? You are you worried that you're going to repeat the same pattern that you had in the previous? Oh no, <laughs> this is totally right. different. You know, oh, the whole, oh please, like the whole, yeah, right, the whole oh. sort of. And passion and the, all those wonderful hormones yes. of, oh, of love, right? Oh, when I, when I get in front of people, I like to say that I'm not here to talk about love. That wonderful, unpredictable, uncontrollable emotion that we're all born to experience. You can't change it. You can't make it happen. It's got a mind of its own, and I hope it stays that way. You know, we human beings can't control the experience of love. But I am here to talk about love relationships. That is my focus. Not love. I'm talking about the relationships we form when we fall in love. And I want that phrase reminds us of the unpredictability and the uncontrollability of the emotion. It's falling in love. But the relationship we set up when we fall in love, now there is something we can do something about. If you set up an intimate, important word, emotionally intimate, healthy relationship, fine, beautiful. Even if you're not conscious of it, you'll repeat that. You grew up in a context where that's, that was the model. That's what you learned by example, fine. But if you set up an unhealthy, not intimate love relationship that destroys the love that you're experiencing, That's a problem. In my mind, there is nothing more tragic than falling in love and unconsciously, if you will, 
setting up a relationship that can't nurture the love experience. And, I, I, you know, perfect proof of it is in your area. I mean, the, the divorce statistics, they've been speaking to me for years. First marriage, 40 to 50 percent. Second marriage, 60 percent. Third marriage, 73 percent. Why? Because something is being repeated over and over again without consciousness. Exactly. And and I, I love the way that you are framing the difference between love and the development of the relationship. Because I think a lot of times we don't think about the development of the relationship at all. It just uh-huh. happens. And when, right. and when it just happens and you're not doing uh-huh. it in a conscious way, then everybody has their own expectations about what that means based on their own triggers, their own oh, families of origin, absolutely. their own previous experiences. Oh. And if we're not saying, let's carefully build this, then, okay, it's kind of like iffy if it builds itself well or not. It's, there's no intentionality around it, but there can be a lot of right. disappointment. Oh, absolutely. And divorce as well. You know, I grew up in a home. I grew up in a home where my mother taught me that eligible women were dependent controlling and they exploit in the love relationship and my father taught me that eligible men were self-neglecting caregivers and i repeated that learning over and over again and here's what's scary when i met people that weren't those characteristics i just described i imagined they were that's how powerful the learning was and that's the origin of my particular disappointing love life, because I recreated that over and over again in multiple relationships with multiple disappointments as a consequence until an analyst here in New York pointed out to me that I was using my mother's blueprint, as he put it, in my love life. And boy, oh boy, was that a shocker (laughs) to actually be conscious of how these learned patterns and he reassured me. He, he, I remember him saying the very thing I said a few minutes ago. The, he said, the good news is if you learn something, you can unlearn it and learn something better. And that's the beauty of being an adult because we possess that capacity. That's, that's great. And, you know, one of the things, Dr. Jordan, I want to talk to you about is this question that people ask all the time. How do I know if I should get a divorce? And I'm going to, before I let you just answer that question, I'm going to just tell you something that is one thing that is a serious consideration for me and personally was a serious consideration for me when I decided to divorce. And and that was that I didn't want to teach my children that marriage should be like the way this marriage was. And and so I'm curious as to whether or not you think that's an interesting or a valid concern and, and also the question is how people know whether or not their marriage can be saved or should be saved. Yeah, I, I, I think that, and I've, I've met quite a few people that have stopped the generational transmission, if you will, of unhealthy learning. And I've been very curious about that always when I hear it. I kind of think of it as a special circumstance. There may be more people doing it than I'm aware of, but I always consider it special because it is possible to use consciousness. And consciousness and learning have a very close relationship to each other. To use consciousness, another one of those assets that we humans possess that really 
permits us to make change in our lives, real permanent, healthy changes, to become conscious of something that's happened in one's marriage and be aware of how it needs not be transmitted. It must not be transmitted to one's children. And I think there are, there are all kinds of ways to do that. You can do that by direct instruction. You can do that by example, having a healthier love life after divorce. One's children witness that and learn from that. I think that as a parent, it's a wonderful, th- I mean, we parents evolve, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't get it right right at the beginning. We, we have to learn about the individuality of our children. We have to evolve our parenting ability over time. So what happens, I believe, is that when you have a divorce between parents, the children have to be communicated with about it. They learn things about it. There's a way to talk about it that inspires learning, that corrects misconceptions, and the parent continues teaching about it in terms of any changes they've made in their love life subsequent to the divorce. And I I really believe that divorce, I think of divorce as a learning experience, and I try to tell people that. I know people oftentimes feel bad and guilty and shamed, or they feel they've done something wrong, or they may have like moral considerations, or just uh, loyalty issues, all kinds of complications. But I believe that divorce is a learning experience. We can get things from it that help us become aware of what needs to be corrected in the next edition of our love lives. So that's a wonderful thing. That's my feeling about it. Now, going on to the question of knowing when it's time to divorce. That's a complicated question. There's a lot of variations in it and and thoughts about that kind of thing. My own personal view is I think of a marriage as not only inspired by romantic notions and the emotion of love, as I described a few minutes back, but I think of it as a working relationship. And the, the issue of, you know, working on a relationship that's, that's never perfect. There's always issues, there's things to correct, there's problems to solve, there's hurts to heal. And being able to work on one's marriage, I think of as an important activity when it comes to sustaining a love relationship over time. I also think of a love relationship as a growing relationship. It doesn't get stuck. It continues to grow, and there's learning in it, and you you deepen your learning of the person you're in love with. So there's a, I, I kind of, I'm going to borrow the word individuation, which means the emergence of individuality. You know, in a, in a healthy marriage, you're going to have in two individuals, they're not the same person, they're different, so there's differences to deal with, and the individuality becomes more clearly presented to each other over time. And that's the beauty of being in a long-term relationship is that the commitment translates in time into depth. There's a depth of knowing this person that you're in love with and love takes on a very important evolving kind of form in that type of relationship. So 
looking back on what I just said, if a relationship stops growing, if you're in a pattern of unhealthy behavior, abuse, mistreatment, repetitive hurting that your partner is not willing to look at to to show an interest in changing and after multiple attempts perhaps to try in or out of therapy i know therapy sometimes is considered a a landmark you know i, I think we need therapy and sometimes ultimatums are given prior to therapy All of that translates, in my mind, into an effort to continue to work on the relationship, an effort to say to one's partner, look, we got stuck somewhere. We need to work on this relationship. Are you willing to participate with me? You know, in my book, I talk about, because I'm very interested in trying to conceptualize the learning that takes place about love relationships, and I call it the psychological love life, to try to talk about where in one's mind, so to speak, the psychological love life is. It's a storage place. It's a place where those familiar relationship experiences, healthy or unhealthy, are stored. And what we've learned from them, beliefs, behaviors, feelings we expect to see in a love relationship, this learning is there in our psychological love lives. So in a working relationship, you become aware of each other's psychological love life, I believe. When a relation, you may not use that language, of course, but it's like getting to know someone deeply, allowing someone to get to know you deeply. That's really the foundation of a growing and changing relationship. And if you don't have that, and and it's painful over time, and it's stuck, and your partner shows no interest in working on the relationship, I often suggest to people perhaps a separation is an order. Because sometimes separations provide a foundation for continued learning. You know, sometimes people work on their relationship after they've been in separation. Sometimes you don't really know how valuable your partner is until he or she's walking out the door, for example. Yeah. Um, So separation is this yeah. is really valuable, and I want. But before we, we're going to run out of time, and I want to make okay, sure that right. people know that that they're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX, and also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'm talking today with Dr. Thomas Jordan. And Dr. Jordan, why don't you give the listeners an opportunity to find your book or more, learn more about you if they're interested? Yeah, uh, my book's on Amazon.com and other distributors. If you put in the whole title, it'll, the page will come up easily. I also have information about the book, uh, Love Life Consultations, that my wife and I offer. She's also a psychotherapist. We work in a group practice together. We offer Love Life Consultations by phone and in person. For anyone that's read the book and wants to enter into what I call an unlearning method, the unlearning method in the book that I describe. So at my website, the thelovelifelearningcenter.com, there's a lot more information about my book and our services as well. Great. So in the last two minutes of the show, what advice would you give to someone who's disappointed with their love life and has decided to get divorced? I would say that after divorce is a very important period of time to work on oneself and 
a part of that working on oneself is working on one's love life. We work on every other part of our lives, financial, educational. We work on our physical lives. Working on one's love life is equally as important. And I think after a divorce is a wonderful time to go inside, take a look at one's expectations about love relationships, take a look to see if there are any repetitive patterns in control of one's love life, and learn from those. And I I love the phrase, work on your love life. That is a very important statement, and it's an encouragement for people to go inside and find out what's controlling their love lives and how to take that control back by understanding what's there, becoming conscious, and, and, and moving one's love life into a healthier direction. Is there a first step that people can do to examine their own love life? I think the repetition that we mentioned is going to be obvious. If you think about the relationships you've had since being an adult, that's usually step one of the unlearning method is to identify the repetition and then to to think about in that repetition what particular themes are being replicated again and again. And it becomes obvious. And then uh, to uh, begin challenging those unconscious repetitions by uh, uh, identifying them as unhealthy and interfering with their automatic domineering effect on one's love life. And the third step, of course, is to move into what I like to call in the book the opposite direction. Um, And in the book, I talk about those opposites and how they can be a healing reformulation of one's love life. I think that's super useful information. Dr. Thomas Jordan, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Catherine. Thank you.